What's going on, everybody? I'm Johnny Brook from The Crafted Workshop, back for episode number 42 of The Crafted Podcast. Podcast all about making stuff by hand, woodworking, metalworking, leather, electronics, and more. We put out new episodes every Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much everywhere podcasts are available. We also live stream every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time on our YouTube channel. So if you want to find us there, probably easiest just to search for Crafted Podcast. We'll pop right up. And uh, yeah, you can hop on there, chat with us live. It's a great way to get your questions answered, and that's a lot of fun. So we also have a website where we put all of the show notes every week. That is craftedpodcast.com. And we are also on social media at Crafted Podcast, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can uh, check us out there, ask us questions, tag us in your projects, and uh, that's a great way to interact with us. We're also on Patreon. Uh, we also added a $250 goal for that for a weekend show. So we're slowly creeping up on that. It's patreon.com slash crafted podcast. We've got a bunch of support levels, a weekly after show, monthly hangouts. Our top patron of the week is Make, Build, Modify. And our new patrons this week are Fred McIntyre. Thank you, Fred. And Steve from Moonshine Metalworks. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, so let me introduce my co-hosts as always. First, I've got James Wright from Wood by Wright. What's going on, James? Oh, thank you so much for having me tonight, Johnny. This is just a delightful thing. (laughs) And I've got Zach Herberholz from ZH Fabrication, who's over there squeaking away on his plate, eating his dinner, I guess. What's Absolutely. Going on, Zach? Yep. It's like Time steak, and, like what steak is... and some sort of cornmeal or something. Yes. Zach Snacks. Yes. What do you got going on this week? Uh, me? Yeah. With my mouth full? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm saying, what are you eating? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, some sort of steak and like cornmeal. Mm. With like All right. just a pinch of barking dogs in the background. <laughs> yeah, you're you're a hot mess tonight, man. Man, it's it's been absolutely crazy. Like I I was in uh well, Oklahoma. I don't know how long ago that was. Then I was just in New York. Month. Was it only a month ago? Uh I don't know. Something uh, like that. Twenty third of Jan of January uh June. Oh, June. okay, so like two months. Yeah, so that, and then New York, and then I just got back from Cincinnati two days ago, and then tomorrow I'm leaving for uh, Nashville for the DeWalt thing, and you're going to be there, so I'll get to see it, but it's just been like, I just, like, I just feel like I'm just uh, like a hamster on the wheel, and I just can't, like, stop. It's, yeah, uh, it's crazy, man. It's, and, uh, and I have this deadline on this table that I have to have delivered. So <laughs> I love I've that Dosagi's table. What's that? I love the Dosagi's table. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that thing. So I, I've put like 12 to 14 hour days in the past two days just trying to get that thing ready so that when I get back, I can get all the finish on there and get it delivered on time. So it's uh, it's been stressful. Yeah. So I, I bet. I mean, that's it. It is becoming more and more difficult as time goes on and kind of you get more invites to more events. And uh, I think it will get to the point where we have to decline. But uh, yeah, like like this week is the DeWalt Media event. I know next month I have Festool Connect. And then in November, there's some Fabtech show that um like might be going to so yeah I'm, yeah I'm, I'm gonna be doing that one too yeah yeah i think yeah yeah so no one ever invites the crazy. hand tool guy 
I know you got to start using electricity, man. All these, uh, all these companies we're going with, the electricity is kind of at the core of their, uh, the their tooling. You know, it's hard to uh, do any welding or plasma cutting without electricity. And the Amish just aren't, you know, as big on social media, so you're kind of <laughs> SOL there. Yeah, yeah, they're not, they're not good on the digital marketing front. That's funny. Nice. Well, James, what you been working on? Well, I have. Uh, um finally putting a shelf on the bottom of my bench it's one of those things that i you know a rubo just doesn't look like a rubo unless it has a flat surface on the bottom and so i've really had a lot of fun putting that together that video should be out uh, tomorrow but uh, other than that um i have actually just finished up a a build that i was doing for um a camp where i was actually sandblasting a sign so a little bit outside of the the normal hand tools wheelhouse uh, but I, I've done a decent amount of sand pla- sandblasting in the ba- in the past, and it was kind of fun to do that. It's a like a sign is uh, eight foot by almost five foot high, and uh, it's a, a lot of fun. What what kind of setup are you using for sandblasting? Is how how are you like recollecting the media? I am not. I'm just using the uh, um, uh, the cheap Harbor Freight forty pound canister, gotcha. um, and just spraying it everywhere i'm doing it in their uh, gravel driveway so it's not an issue for the the sand to work into the gravel nice nice but yeah i'm I'm using like 400 pounds worth of sand so it's <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah you can get a really cool look i know uh mark spagnolo when he did that uh, live edge slab coffee table i think he sandblasted the edges of the slab and that was mm-hmm. kind of brought out a, a unique texture in yeah. that you know edge grain that was uh that was pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah, it's really kind of fun when you, especially because on like on the sign, I'm doing lettering, so you put vinyl on the face of it, um, a very thick vinyl that the sands will will bounce off of, um, and then you blast it so that when you remove the vinyl, everything that was behind it is perfectly smooth and flat wood, so you can paint that, but then all of the textured wood around it, um, I can oil that and leave the natural color of the wood, so it's kind of a it's kind of nice to balance both the the painting of a sign as well as still having the the artistic wood flavor in there. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I I've always debated on getting a sandblaster. I know like uh, Grant Batson, the pipe maker we had on a couple of weeks ago, uh, in the pipe community, they use sandblasting oh, yeah. extensively, and it brings out this really cool ring grain in the briar, and just. I mean, you can obviously kind of feather it in and, and get deeper if, if that's the look you're going for, but you can get these crazy kind of craggy looking rings on these pipes that are just incredible. It's super cool. Have you seen the, uh, I've seen people take like pine and, uh, burn it and then hit it with a wire brush, like a wire wheel on an angle grinder or a drill. Hmm. And it scrapes out all of the, uh, uh, early wood, the soft wood, like in the pores. And you get like this, you know, hundred-year-old pirate ship-looking wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think there would be a ton of uses for for us for a sandblaster. The only issue is that usually you recollect the media when you're sandblasting. Uh, you, you try to, at least. You know, I mean, that's what they have the sandblasting cabinets and all that for. So well, it can get kind of pricey. It depends, depends on how on big media. you're getting. Uh, yeah. Because I mean, I was at a um, a site just today where they. They sandblast uh, farm implements, and so they'll have you know an entire farm trailer out there, and their their whole lot is just sand. 
um, and they they just blast it because it's it's not worth recollecting, especially when you're doing like rust removal. Then you get a lot of contaminants that are the right size, so you can't screen them out. Yeah. Um, but you don't want to be reblasting it because even though they're the right size, they might stop, might cause clogging. I wonder, being is that I live in Florida, if I could just like stick the end feed hose into my front yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just go to the beach. The, my front yard is the beach. It's Florida. It's terrible. <laughs> it's like like it's every episode of Cops you've ever seen. Like that's my neighborhood. Like there's there's people without shirts on, like yelling at their wives, and that's <laughs> great. Uh, that's hilarious. Now the the other thing I've been working on, I actually just uh, picked up today, is a desk. Because um, the the desk I'm currently using is um, like I it's too cheap for IKEA. Um, it's uh, we we bought it when we were first married because we needed a flat surface, and I've been using it as a desk ever since. Uh, but I was on Craigslist, and a guy was giving away an arts and crafts desk uh, marked from 1920, and it's all solid white oak. Um, it's all, um, um, quarter sawn and absolutely gorgeous wood. Um, but it's a mess. It had been used as a potting bench and it was last used as a workbench. And so there's wood and oh. oil on it. Uh, so I'm thinking it'll make a, a great series to restore it and possibly do a, as I'm thinking about replacing the top on it and doing a live, uh, doing a live edge slab top, uh, but with the arts and craft base. So, um. I'm kind of having uh, some fun ideas with this project. We'll see. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. Cool. Well, I have been. Well, first of all, I put out part two of the Arts and Crafts dining chairs. Got them delivered last week. Customer was super happy with them. So sweet. Wait, lifted. It's good to hear. I bet you. Yeah, feel, I, I bet you feel oh, so good about that project now, dude. I feel so good to be more space in your shop now. now. Yeah. Well, it's like. It's just I feel so free. Like I, feel, I feel like I can move on to whatever. Like I feel like the world is my oyster now, you know. So, um, yeah, I've been working on this modern Adirondack chair, and of course I had to like overcomplicate it. And so I'm like, you know, cutting like angled half laps, and you know, for a freaking Adirondack chair. But I was, a modern oh, Adirondack chair. That sounds like a familiar title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you just stuck Adirondack. I, I've never seen an Adirondack chair inside. So me neither. Uh, it was mostly for searchability because, yeah. like, I'm I'm just gonna get ruthless with YouTube and like, I might like for the desk video, I might just put on like fidget spinner industrial desk <laughs> on my next video because I don't I don't care. Kim Kardashian's desk. Kim Kardashian's fidget spinner desk. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> might do well. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I should actually try that. That would be. I don't think I, that ended up going so well, but <laughs> well, I, I wonder like how many people would see the humor in it. Yes, like <laughs> it could it could work. Who knows? That would be uh, that would be kind of amusing. But yeah, I've been working on those. Um, of course, uh, overcomplicating them, but they're coming along pretty well. I'm still debating, so I'm building them out of cypress, which. You know, it's it's fine, but to me, cypress it looks kind of similar to pine in a lot of ways. It's just kind of boring looking. Um, I, I just I don't love the grain of cypress, so I I keep flip flopping back and forth between whether I want to paint it or clear coat it, and especially considering it's going to be an outdoor piece. I mean, paint is the ultimate outdoor finish because it blocks pretty much all the UV, uh, you know, from the sun. So. 
any clear finish is just not going to even come close to holding up as well as paint. So I don't know. I'm still debating on that. Um, and then if I do paint it, it's like, what color do I paint it? But whatever. So I'm trying to figure that out. But uh, yeah, as, as Zach mentioned, we'll be leaving tomorrow, uh, Thursday for DeWalt. So that'll be pretty fun. Uh, realize that I guess Jimmy Duresta and David Pachuda are going to be there as well. So that'll be pretty awesome. Uh, just to, you know, hang out with some other YouTube people. Cause last year I was at the DeWalt thing last year and I think I was the only person on YouTube there. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I act, <laughs> it was pretty, yeah, pretty I, crazy. I actually asked, um, when I was up, I think it was, it was either Oklahoma or when I was up at Jimmy's place, but I asked him like, you going to the, the, uh, DeWalt thing. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you don't know, like you work with them and you don't know. Well, that's the weird thing. It's like a, it's a media thing. So last year was all magazines and trade publications and things like that. And, and some bloggers. Um, and I think that's the only reason I was there. Cause at the time my thing was called crafted magazine. So, uh, you know, there, DeWalt is a little slow on the uptake when it comes to, to me, like they're behind the curve on their like YouTube and at least and that they're kind trying though, like they're getting there, but, but I mean, they're uh, getting yeah. crushed by Ryobi and Rigid, in my opinion. I mean, absolutely I, I, uh, destroyed. When I found out about that, I actually I sent a, a message to our contact at DeWalt, and I'm like, Jimmy works with you guys, and he doesn't even know about this event. Send him an info, like, send him an invite, stat. And yeah. he did, so he's, he's going to be there. Nice. Well, there you but, go. Yeah, I take full responsibility for that one. <laughs> feels good. Well, that's awesome, because that made me, like, much more excited about the event. Because, I mean... You know, it, it's fun, but at the end of the day, it's just like a, a press thing, you know? So they're like releasing their new products and, you know, giving you the whole marketing spiel and all that kind of thing. So, you know, it's, it is what it is, but it, you know, it'll be a lot more fun, I think, with some familiar faces. Cause last year was like, you know, Masonry Quarterly and like, you know, all these magazines that you've never even heard of that, you know, are these trade pubs and, uh, but anyway, it was uh, it was kind of funny. Uh, I wish that I had another day there because, like, I get there Thursday and leave Saturday, and and there's like stuff booked like all day. I think all two or three days. So I leave Saturday morning. So I'm not gonna have a whole lot of time to like explore. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna have any time at all. It's it's pretty pretty jam packed. Um, my I think wife's I'm gonna coming, end up staying but, Saturday. Oh, nice. But she's she she was able to write it off for her work, so like okay. she actually is gonna have a meeting with somebody at some point. But she'll get a nice. Seems like the thing. Anytime we go out of town, like she gets to like run around and explore and do fun <laughs> stuff. And I'm I'm like you get to play doing stuck work at home. somewhere. Like I still didn't really get to see downtown Asheville when I was up there. Oh yeah, no. I mean, it's that's how it is, man. That's how it was. You know, I when my previous job, I I've traveled for business all the time, and I've been to Nicaragua like twenty seven times, and I don't think I've been anywhere besides our factory and like this the restaurant on the way to the factory. You know, so mm -hmm. it was, it, you know, it's like you go down and do the same thing over and over again, or you know, if it's business stuff, you go have meetings and then get back on the plane. So yeah, it's, uh, not <laughs> business travel is not a good way to see, see the world for sure. So, um, 
Cool. Well, I guess let's talk about what uh, our, our show topic is, and that's uh, we're going to talk about, I guess, digital marketing for makers, for people who, uh, you know, build things, who are maybe doing it on the side, uh, you know, trying to maybe do it full time, and, you know, kind of some tips we might have uh, for that and some of the kind of the more important platforms. Um, so we've got actually some questions from the audience that I think would be a good way to start out. So, uh, well, this is one thing I was going to touch on uh, right at the beginning was, so Evan Dunville asks, how much importance is there in a logo when marketing yourself online or in person? <laughs> and I think a logo and more than the logo, your, your name uh, is probably one of the most important parts of your business. Cause even if, you know, you change your logo or redesign your logo, that's, that's one thing, but your name and kind of what that name makes people perceive when they hear it is incredibly important. So, um, you know, driving that branding home across all of your platforms, also having a logo that you can resize easily to fit on different, you know, cause if you're on YouTube, it's a circle. If you're on Twitter, it's a square. If you're on Facebook, you know what I mean? Like, so every social network has their own little quirks that they want your logo to fit into. Uh, and then also merchandising and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, yeah. The my, circle thing really irritates me. Yeah. See, like, I, why can't you make it a, a square like everything else in the world? <laughs> it, it is odd, but so it's kind of funny. So my, my old boss, he he said it's a good logo if it'll look good on a chain. He was super into hip hop, and <laughs> I, I thought that was so funny, but yet yeah. also really true. Like if it looks good hanging from your neck, it's a good logo. Like if it's a picture or if it's got too many little things in it that you know are gonna get lost, uh, it, it's really. I thought that was such a good way of putting it, you know, cause you don't want something that's too complex. Cause then like, I've had this trouble, like the little rings on the log. If I go too small for like a decal or, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of having some hats made with embroidery, the rings in, you know, the, the growth rings in the log, they're too small. So, yeah. you know, having a logo that's resizable and doesn't have any elements that get too teeny tiny, uh, is pretty critical. So, yeah. I was taught if uh, if your logo can be drawn by a five year old and still recognized, then it's a good logo. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I would say it's one of the more important things that you can have. Um, just personally, I think. Well, I mean, if you look at like um, Facebook, the all of your friends on Facebook, you generally don't identify them by the name you look at the picture of the person and you identify who is writing everything by the picture yes there's a name there because people change their picture occasionally um, but a picture is a very quick and easy way to identify someone and and connect it with things and yep. your logo is the exact same thing it's just rather than just being on facebook it's on everything it was funny my uh my connection lagged out when you said facebook so it sounded like you said facebook <laughs> well, yeah and especially now with, <laughs> with all the social media um because i always find it it drives me bonkers when someone comments on youtube and then comments on something i did on facebook and wants me to connect the two but the two pictures are different yep Yep. Um, you know, the name might be the same, but um, I, I'm sorry, I, I'll identify you by your picture. And so if you have the logo that you can put on every single site, 
it's an easy and quick way for people to connect you once you can get that logo into their brain. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's interesting even just scrolling through our live chat and seeing the different logos and, yeah. you know, cause that's how you see them. You see them very, very tiny next to a name, either in the YouTube comments or on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever. And, you know, you need to be able to make out that logo pretty effectively. And, and my logo doesn't do a great job of that. Like I can barely read the word crafted, can't read workshop at all. Um, you know, Zach, you can read ZH obviously, but fabrications, you can't, um, like Robin Lewis. Robin Lewis chat. has the best. Super gold, strong logo. The, for, the best yeah. gold chain emblem in the chat. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like, I would wear that. Like, if you yeah. made if you made a Robin Lewis chain, I would start wearing it. <laughs> I mean, it, it is interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it, it. I really think that's such a good thing. I mean, and Zach, it's almost like you could just drop the fabrication. You just have like a giant ZH and have people, you know, uh, put two and two together. But. Um, so Logan in the live chat asks who created our logos. So I, I created my own logo. What about you guys? Um, I actually went to Fiverr. Um, oh, nice. And I created a, I, there was one on there that were like five different people would compete for your logo. And several of them gave ones that I liked, but I didn't find anything I really liked. But it gave me a lot of ideas that I could then go and make my own logo. But Fiverr is a great place. You just throw $5 at people and they'll, there's a bunch on there where they'll make like 10 logos for you for five bucks. Yeah. No, it's, it's insane. Actually. It's, it's kind of sad to me because it's, it's basically outsourcing graphic design, but, uh, it is very, very cheap way to get a decent looking logo. I got a funny story about mine actually. So one of my, uh, one of my good friends up in Portland, Oregon, um, he's a graphic designer that works for Nike and I asked him to come up with my logo and he did. Uh, I like, he came up with a whole bunch of different stuff and I decided that the anvil is kind of like this iconic thing that a lot of people see it and they have feelings or like associations with it. So I liked that for the, for that reason. But, uh, this was like two months ago. I get a text message from, uh, Dan Robbins. He's like, dude, I was just in the San Francisco airport and somebody came up to me and said, I designed that shirt. He's wearing my ZH fabrication shirt. I'm like, really? I'm like, that's crazy. And then like 20 seconds later, I get a message from my buddy, uh, Brian. He's like, man, I just ran into some guy. I'm in San Francisco, like thousands of miles from either of us. And uh, there it is. I'm standing in line. There's a dude wearing this shirt with this logo that I designed on. And I was like, what the hell? So that was kind of crazy. Small world. Yeah. Speaking of which, small world. that's a good... Uh, there's a, a handful of people that order t-shirts for me and I've been out, uh, sold out and I just got my batch in today. So if you've been waiting for those, uh, I will be sending them out as soon as I get back from Nashville. So and if anybody cool. else wants t-shirts, I have them. And so do you, I don't think, Tony. Yeah. I don't think I've ever actually plugged my shirts on the show. So I, just to mention, I, I did get mine shirts all the time. in as well. For it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have crafted workshop shirts. Really happy with the way they came out actually. Um, actually, Zach, I'll, I'll bring oh, you one. Yeah. What cool. size are you, man? I'll bring one for you. I'm a large, you a large, I'm a large. Okay, sweet. I need to uh, order more shirts. Yeah. Well, I'm really happy with the way they came out, the, the quality, they're super soft and they were very, uh, they were not expensive at all. So, um, I'm, I'm excited for them. So <clears throat> I actually am hoping to kind of burn through the last, like, I probably have 10 left of like the 50 that I ordered. So I need to burn through those and then 
reorder because some of the sizer the <clears throat> the sizes that I did smaller quantities in are already out. So I need to. I'm guessing there's a weird gap between uh, like large and like three XL. Yeah, it's so it's really strange. Well, I bought a ton of larges because <clears throat> I just assumed that that would be like fifty percent of my uh, orders, and it's been a lot of the orders, but. I didn't order enough of the extreme sizes. Like I ordered, I think like five mediums and those sold out very quickly. And then I ordered like five triple XLs and those sold out very quickly. Yeah. Triple X, like there's, there's a certain commitment involved because I don't sell a whole lot of XL or double X. I sell like a lot of large and a lot of three XLs. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I also, you know, triple XL costs more because it's just a, a good bit more fabric than a like a large. So I actually upcharge for the uh, the triple X. Logan actually just wrote something. Logan uh, Murky in the chat actually wrote something yeah. really cool. We should totally do all three of our shirts. Uh, three like podcast thirty app. bucks on Patreon. That's brilliant. Okay, we're gonna do that. <laughs> Check back uh, by the time you guys hear this, we will do a Patreon reward level three shirts, uh, one of each of our shirts for. $30. I think I think I'm I might be paying eleven dollars for my shirts. I don't know, mm. but we'll figure something out for sure. We'll figure. I like I, I, I like shirts. that. Thanks advice. a lot, guys. What's yeah. that? <laughs> now I have to Come order on, shirts. James. Thanks a lot. Get guys. them ordered. This is your uh, this is your reason. That's brilliant. Yeah. I like that. That's funny. Cool. Um, so let's see. So digital marketing. So I, I think we've touched on this before a little bit as far as trying to I think sell products locally. Um, but what do you guys think if you had to pick one platform to kind of get started on, you know, marketing your products, whether that's for content creators or for people who are trying to sell their stuff, what, what platform do you guys think would be Facebook the most effective? Craigslist. Really? Craigslist. I would, I would say Instagram. If you're, if you're looking for one. local. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting, Craigslist. I would not have guessed that. If you're, answer. I mean, if you're open to other things, then I would, I would probably do like Instagram. But if you're, if you're looking for people that are around you, I, I would do Craigslist. I think me could... like Craigslist is just flooded with crap. I mean, I, I think it's so hard to, yeah, to but wade good through the quality junk. stuff stands out. Yeah, um, especially with the with the with a good first picture, they 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 can easily pop. I think I think that it kind of depends on what you're trying to sell because, yeah. um, I mean, it totally depends on what you're trying to sell. If you're selling big stuff that you're not going to be shipping, then uh, probably not Instagram. Uh, you know, I, I think Craigslist and and uh, that's kind of probably one of your one of your best options. That and having a website and. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. And with, with the right, uh, SEO and keywords and stuff. So that when people type in, uh, your city and furniture, somehow you would ideally yeah, come yeah. up in the search. Um, See, I, I would also... say for local though, Facebook would be yeah. more effective because you can actually pay. And, and the thing with Facebook is that you can target people so yes. well, like they have so much information about their users that you can really, really target them. And so Craigslist, obviously, is free. So, you know, that's a that's a no-brainer. But to me, that's not some place... It's not some place you're going to build a following. You know what I mean? Like, there is no... 
you know, once you get a customer on Craigslist, okay, that's great. You've sold one piece. But from there, how will you ever, you know, like have they been added to an email newsletter or are they on your Facebook page or, you know what I mean? So, because to me, the most business I've had has been from repeat customers. It's absolutely that that's the bread and butter to but me. So the, I think the main question is, is how do you establish that repeat customer for the first time? Contact well, Johnny's mother. Huh? Contact yeah. Johnny's mother. Yeah, exactly. My mom, <laughs> one of my best customers, <laughs> but, but she gets the, the mom discount. So I don't think that really counts. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's where Facebook is very strong. And of course, I mean, something that, you know, I, I was mainly talking about social network, but having your website, locked down and very, very well laid out and easy to use and, you know, get them on an email newsletter because that's the other thing is, you know, once somebody owns one of your pieces, if you're building custom furniture, they're probably going to be a fan of yours. So they're going to kind of want to see your work, you know, on an ongoing basis and how it progresses and, you know, it just keeps you in the back of their mind. And then, Especially if it's six months later, furniture because it ends up being more like artwork than furniture because you know you're you're collecting these art pieces and you kind of get this whole you know what is he working on next? What's the next cool piece of artwork he's going to come out with? Yep, yeah, no, it's uh, to me trying to build that following. Even if it's the thing is, if you're building furniture, it doesn't have to be that big. You know what I mean? If you had. 200 customers a year you would be drowning in work as a one person shop you know so it it, it's not like you have to build a 1 million subscriber following to to be successful in the custom furniture i think if you get five or six good repeat customers like that can be enough to keep you perpetually busy like i have I, i do work for one family here locally that just all they just always they're like hey whenever you're free let me know and uh, and not only that, but it's the word of mouth that spreads because, I mean, obviously they like my work. They tell their friends and it's the I mean, it's it's like wildfire. If you do good work for somebody like if you do, if you have somebody that you do repeat work for, they are going to bring in a lot more clients for you. So, yeah, but but back the to the original might- question, I think for like the different platforms, it really depends on, you know, you have to think about what are you making? Like, what are you trying to sell? If it's a big item, you're probably going to have to sell locally. So you're going to have to look at what the best local, um, you know, networks are for doing that sort of thing. I mean, these are kind of obvious, but, um, but you know, if you're, if you're doing small stuff that can be shipped, I've personally found that Instagram is hands down the best for that. You know, when I put up, uh, t-shirts i sell a bunch of them when i put up my key fobs i sell a whole bunch of them and it's 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 crazy how well that works so it's that's been my experience anyway oh yeah i I think so that's definitely true i mean especially if you're an an etsy person um you know i know like made for profit has touched on this quite a bit you know etsy has become very very difficult to really make it uh because that it's just they've become flooded with uh, you know, companies overseas who are just pumping out stuff by the boatload, literally. And it's uh, it's not like it was, you know, 10 years ago uh, where it was only small, you know, makers and craftspeople on there. So, um, you know, even if you have an Etsy store, don't expect the sales to just come flowing in. You know, you still have to somehow drum up 
you know, eyeballs to go look at your Etsy store. Um, and, and one thing they touched on a lot was that the problem with Etsy is once they're there, they might see a related item that's not made by you and that's cheaper and that might look cooler to them and they're going to buy that. So uh, I, that's I'm why having reluctant a website is better. to post on Etsy because I feel like it is the best place to get your ideas stolen. Oh, yeah. I, I think like... Etsy has, in a, in a large way, uh, really failed in their original mission, uh, which was to essentially, you know, support, you know, give a, a place for people who, you know, are, are, they like to make goods, but they are not good at, you know, building a website, an e-commerce website. And, and that was such a great idea, uh, but they opened it up to everybody and, you know, now, now you know what Etsy is. So, um, An- another good place is actually eBay. Um, I have a, a cousin-in-law, I guess you'd call him. Um, and he is a blacksmith, and he does um, railroad knives and uh, fireplace pokers and things like that. Um, but he makes a, a, a pretty good profit on eBay. Um, if you can get good at the keyword game, yeah, it is actually a for those small things you don't mind shipping. Uh, yeah, it's a good source. And especially yeah. then, if you get people, if you can get them connected with your brand. Um, it's a good place for those people to find you and yep. become repeat customers. Yeah, definitely. So Evan Dunville uh, in the live chat asks, what should we be posting, you know, once we've kind of gotten our customers maybe on some of our social networks, what should we be posting to keep them interested and what should we not be posting? Uh, Sexy hand tool shots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so <laughs> things that I don't ever post uh, are food. Um I personally, I'm not a fan of quotes, uh, family stuff, flowers, sunrises, you know, like to me, anything that doesn't directly relate to your business, it has no place on your business's social media. You know, it's, it, it's just, it, if I unfollow somebody nine out of 10 times, it's because they post too much food because <laughs> I follow like 850 people. And if you're clogging up my feed with stuff that, you know, it's just not relevant. So to me, I would post things that are relevant to your business, like final sexy product shots and then also really great, you know, in-process shots. I mean, it's really not that hard to take a minute and snap a photo and, and throw it up there. So I think – see, I I agree with that. Like I feel like one of my favorite things about Instagram, I like the story thing on it just because I feel like that is a great opportunity to where if you want to do something – I kind of try and use that as like uh, to give people a better glimpse of like my life or who I am or some for like some character. I'm not just going to be like, wow, look at this pasta. It's delicious. Like that doesn't yes. add any value to anything. Uh, <laughs> April Wilkerson do. does a but, fantastic you know, if job I'm like, of that. If I'm out like on vacation, and I see something cool or funny or something. I'll throw it on there sometimes just because I think it's, uh, you know. Yeah. What were something. you saying, James? April Wilkerson does a fantastic job of that. Her oh, yeah. stories her, are her all stories are behind awesome. the scenes, what she's doing, you know, out on the river. Yeah. And yeah. That's they, to me, that's engaged. the place to post the lifestyle pictures, the, you know, what beer you're drinking, whatever meat you just grilled, you know, like that is because the other thing is when you go to look at somebody's feed, you want to be able to get an idea of what they do in the first couple pictures. And if those are random, you know, sunsets and, you know, burgers and whatever it's really hard to to kind of distill that information very quickly because you know first impressions obviously very important so yeah also pinterest 
especially if you have anything to do with with women. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I mean, you're you're totally right. I mean, Pinterest is something I think all three of us are not the greatest at. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I, any of us really do very well on yeah. Pinterest. And it's I, one I of those always things to do that more on there, and uh, it's always holding me back. I feel yeah. like my yeah, it's. I don't know if it's my bandwidth, but it sounds like you just got swallowed by the matrix. Yeah, no, it's, it's, is it's, down. it's probably me, man. It's my boonie internet. But, it's uh, even called boonie? <laughs> no, it's, that's what I call it. But yeah, I mean, Pinterest is, even if you're selling products, it, it's a pretty good place. I mean, because again, it, it's Pinterest is basically a search engine. So the the real key, though, is you have to have a really pretty picture to go along with the whatever you're posting there. So, uh, photography if it does well on Instagram, critical. throw it on Pinterest. Oh yeah. But don't be lazy and just put up a square photo on yes. Pinterest. You know, like you, you got to play the game. Pinterest. Yeah, Pinterest is, really is all tall. about turning it portrait. Yes. Which, <laughs> which is, is annoying. Cause I always think crazy. in landscape for the YouTube thumbnails. Yes. So I almost never have portrait shots of my stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think Pinterest is a potential, Definitely a potentially good one. Um, but so to me, building all these social me- networks, the end goal, in my opinion, is to drive them back to your website because that is the place you own. That is the place where, regardless of what network changes their algorithm or shuts down or whatever, it doesn't matter because if you have them on their webs on your website, then you can usually grab their email address too and just market them directly. So. Um, it's, uh, I, I think treating your website as kind of like your center of universe is, is the best way to go. Um, you know, especially if you can sell products on your website, obviously it's going to be very advantageous to get people there. Uh, so hopefully they will make a purchase. So, um, yeah, cool. Let's see. We've got some other questions from the live chat. Um, so this one from metal and grain is kind of interesting about Patreon strategy, um, if we thought about doing like a monthly or quarterly kind of a box, you know, like a, a subscription box kind of model, you know, a, for example, a small item, a shirt, a sticker, personal note kind of thing. Have you guys ever considered doing something like that? I have, but I, I really don't like shipping things. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I avoid I would, fulfillment at all. Possible. I would end up being like, you know, twenty dollar would get you, you know, um, a sticker. <laughs> you're, uh, that's funny. You're, uh, well, your that voice... you, you would you would require small things um, to regularly ship out, and producing a monthly amount of items to ship out to people is, I don't know, it sounds like becoming a factory. Yeah, your voice cut out in the yeah. first half of that. Were you talking about the question somebody asked earlier about a like a monthly package? Yeah, yeah. The monthly, monthly Patreon box subscription. Yeah, that's a. I love that idea. I absolutely love it. But uh, I don't know that I have enough items to keep that uh, sustained. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I would run out of things quickly. Yeah, it's that. That would be difficult. I think for any of us. And, and the the other thing is, I think we're probably the wrong people to ask about that because we're more on the content side. Well, at least, I mean, Zach, I guess you're kind of right in the, in the middle really, but I know James and I are much more on the content side than the actually like building stuff for money side. So, um, 
I think that's going to be different based on who you are, but it is an interesting idea. But the problem is then, okay, so if you're a guy who just makes stuff, how do you get Patreon supporters? You know, that, yeah. that that's, it's like a chicken or the egg thing. Cause you know, it's, you kind of need an audience to build Patreon. But, you know, Patreon is not set up well for selling things through no. Patreon. In other words, you know, you reach this level and I will give you this item. Um, it is, it's, and if it does end up being like that, it becomes very expensive. Yeah. You know, like um, $5 a month gets you a sticker, yep. which cost me 40 cents yep. plus shipping, which is another yeah. 50 cents. <laughs> well, and the other problem is like Patreon is kind of a rolling thing. So it's it, it's very difficult to do kind of physical goods fulfillment because like like if i get a new patron i wait like two or three months before i even fulfill anything because you know it's you you just don't know if they're gonna you know it gets to the end of the month and patreon goes to hit their credit card and it gets declined or you know it it just there there is no real guarantees there so um that's uh it, it's definitely not designed for that so i wouldn't recommend patreon as a, a system for that really. selling things yeah, I mean, and because you can do that kind of thing on your website. I mean, you know, if you're using WordPress, like WooCommerce, I, I know they have like sub- subscription stuff built into theirs. So, you know, if you just want to sell a, like a goods subscription thing, then, you know, there there are better ways to do that, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah. So Logan uh, mentioned Twitch, which is, I guess, live streaming. Um, and I guess for us... I've never understood like why if you have a YouTube following why you'd go elsewhere to build another audience on something like Twitch, especially now that YouTube has kind of matched a lot of the features that Twitch has in regards to like you know the super chat functionality and things like that. So I guess uh, well, I like to make stuff. Uh, Yeah, he went and did a lot of Twitch stuff because it was a great way to get a new audience. Um, but I don't know, I, I, I've never got into that much for the, the, the selling side. I don't know how that would really yeah, become that functional. No. It's more about the information. I mean, so one thing is live streaming to me is a very easy type of content to produce, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you do just really basic, like single camera setup. So, um, you know, say you're making leather wallets, you know, it would be very easy to just set up your phone and, and live stream you making those things and, you know, get some sort of following from that. So it is kind of an interesting, you know, thought is like basically, you know, content marketing, uh, in a way where you're just creating a very, very simplistic live stream and, uh, you know, bringing people in that way. But, uh, that, that could be kind of interesting, but Cool. Well, I think that's probably good on digital marketing. You guys got anything else you want to add? Any other platforms? I mean, we've kind of covered the basics, and um, yeah, I think the the big takeaway is if you're not doing digital marketing, if you're just you know trying to sell things the old fashioned way, it's just not going to work anymore. Yeah, it's it's very difficult. But it's also, I mean, I think it's also easy to get to make things too difficult on yourself. You don't need to yeah. immerse yourself in everything. Like I would yeah, lose my mind. Definitely. If, like it's enough for me just to try and put a video out a month. Like I have so much stuff going on. I couldn't imagine like master one try- site yeah, first and then exactly. Yeah. Just pick one and do it. You know, if, yeah. if it's Instagram, 
you know, try to make an effort to post daily or, you know, starting out post every other day and then move up to daily. You know, it, it, it's pretty amazing. Like the kind of growth you'll see once you start really committing to any of these platforms, because all, all of them want your content, all of them need people feeding the machine. So, um, you know, YouTube included, they really, really like it when you keep plugging in content. So, um, they, they, they want you to succeed. So that's, uh, just commit and treat it like anything else. So cool. Well, um, I guess let's move on to what we've been watching. James, I see you got something. Um, yes. Um, clean Phil wanted another YouTube channel. He does oh, yeah. all He's hand great. tools. Um, he just moved into a new shop. So for a while there, his, his channel was a bit, uh, um, quiet, but uh, he he's a a great personality on camera, just kind of a little bit more laid back and, and very hand tool ish. Um, <laughs> but he just made a useless box, which has been on my list to make for a long time. And uh, if you don't know what a useless box is, it's a box with a switch on top, and when you flip the switch, a finger pops out from the lid and pushes the switch back, and then the finger disappears, yep. and it just it just turns itself off when you turn it on. Uh, but he ended up actually carving the finger. And most people just make a rod that comes out and pushes the stick. And he shaped it to actually look like a finger and carved a fingernail and the knuckles into it. And really, really cool job. And uh, I would, uh, yeah, I, I want to make one someday. But good channel yeah, too. Yeah, those things are <laughs> kind of hilarious. You know, I, all all those useless projects always kind of crack me up. It's like, you know, just making for the fun of it, which is, is kind of cool. So. Yeah, I want to make one with a multi-switch, uh, you know, like 16 switches, and it slowly comes in and turns each one off. Yeah, I, I've seen those. They're they're pretty awesome. So, cool. Zach, what about you, man? You got one? Um, so I've been just, with all the traveling and stuff, I've really been uh, binging on podcasts. So I've been listening to Radiolab. <clears throat> I oh, think man. I... Oh, yeah. That's my favorite. I put in like a, tw I think twelve or thirteen hour day yesterday, and I listened to nonstop Radiolab all day. Yeah, it was. It's, uh, it's really my all time favorite podcast for sure. I, I've seen they did a live show uh, about like four or five years ago. They did like a t you know cross country tour, and uh, it was really really cool to see them in person. And they had a really cool like audience interaction, little like electronic component. It was it was super cool. So. They, uh, yeah, they are awesome. Yeah. Radio lab, uh, invisibilia is a good one. Yep. And, uh, also there's one called lore. It's, it's, uh, probably not for everybody, but it's, it's pretty interesting. It's just kind of like, uh, the history of like specific scary stories or like how like vampires came about and like just kind of kind of eerie stuff they're usually like 28 30 minutes long so they're pretty short uh that one's kind of interesting so yeah a lot of podcasts that's that's pretty much it i haven't uh had time for much else yeah yeah for me um well so the one thing i've been watching a lot of uh well for the last two days is i i, I bought a nintendo switch uh, so I've been on like the waiting list at my local GameStop for like a month. So I finally had some come in and, um, it was actually crazy. I is. went down and bought it and got home and the screen was like, did not work. Like there was no backlight to it. So I got some defective switch. And so 
had to freaking go back and exchange it. And luckily they still had one left when I went back to exchange it. But so that's been uh, a lot of fun. I've been putting it off cause like just been waiting on them to kind of flesh out their games. And, uh, but I've never like... heard of it before. I'm looking it up right now. Oh people. really? No. Well, so it's the new Nintendo console. So it's, it's a cool concept cause it's basically like the core unit is essentially like a tablet with these two little, controller sticks that slide on each each side of the tablet and that way you can play it on the go you know any anytime kind of handheld but then it's got a dock that when you're at home you can put the switch in the dock and play it on your you know home theater big tv uh, and the controllers slide out and then the coolest thing is the two little sticks that the the system comes with allows you to play two-player games so you don't have to buy any extra controllers if you oh. just want to play like two players right out of the box. So, um, I got Mario Kart eight and the new Zelda and they are outstanding. Um, I am very much enjoying it. So, uh, that's, that's one thing I've definitely been enjoying. Um, we'll, we'll probably bring that to Nashville to play in any downtime in the hotel. Although I don't, <laughs> I don't know that that's going to be a very, yeah. uh, <laughs> positive thing for me to do. Um, uh, but, uh, also wanted to shout out uh, DIY Tyler, Tyler G. His his channel has just been, he's been putting out some really cool stuff lately, and uh, we've been chatting, really enjoying his stuff. I don't know if you guys saw that swing set he built, but the thing was insane. That was mm-hmm. crazy. Like, ridiculously huge, and yeah, it was uh, it was really cool. Um, I'm, I'm digging his stuff lately. And then one final shout out uh, is Maker Size Kressel, because I really think he's putting out some very cool projects or you know his whole lathe and shaper build is just really neat and you know he he needs more viewers so i i think uh it you know he if you like click spring and that kind of thing i think you should definitely check out maker size because it's that same kind of crazy machining making stuff from absolute scratch and uh like he made an actual metal lathe from nothing like cast all the pieces from aluminum so just kind of nuts. So, press all over at Maker Size. Cool. Well, uh, favorite tool of the week, James? What you got? I'm gonna have to go with the sandblaster. Um, now, I just have this uh, cheap Harbor Freight sandblaster, um, but for the, the few things I've had to do, if you don't mind, you know, fiddling around with it to make it work, it's well worth the price. And uh, I, I, I don't know. Every time I, every time I think about it, I wanna. I, I want to try something else, whether it's, excuse me, <clears throat> making a sign or um, restoring tools. Uh, it's great for um, blasting the rust off of tools and cleaning them up. Um, I think a sandblaster is just a great thing to have. And um, uh, like uh, welding, um, in those odd places where you can't get a grinder in, um, a sandblaster can do a great amount of work for cleaning a piece off. Yeah. That's interesting. I never even really thought about. It. I mean, obviously, you know, sandblasting is a great way to you know prep a metal surface for powder coat and that kind of thing. But I didn't think about having one like at home in your shop would be great for cleaning welds out of tight corners and stuff. Well, you can even get the uh, the small handheld one where they'll hopper on top of the gun. Yeah, um, and you can pick one of those up for like twenty bucks. Yeah, that's a, what Mark used, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, for most little things, like if I'm restoring a tool for a single hand plane, um, that's all the media I need. And you just do it in your backyard and blast it out and not have to worry about picking up the media again. Yeah. 
that's uh yeah that's i might have to add one of those to the collection because i really think that could be a cool way because I, I think especially to me that the idea is like drawer fronts like if you especially if you're using like oak or something like that you could get that really cool super defined grain um you know because it's still small pieces and i mean you could you could use a sandblasting cabinet uh for that and yeah. you know even those like they're like 200 bucks from harbor freight and you know that's certainly you get not a small nothing. one for 100 bucks yeah but like yeah if you use it for a couple of projects easy to build that cost into whatever you're building so um yeah cool zach what about you man you got one yeah i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with a um like a buffer i've been using that a lot for to put on like stains and finishes and stuff yeah yeah that's what you used on your your desk right yeah uh, and i actually just used it uh last night and this morning for the dining room table it's just such such a like different way to apply stain it's uh yeah. easy and it's uh not messy i mean you don't have to put gloves on you don't get it all over the place like i just use those uh pipettes and squish it on there so yeah one way i wouldn't recommend applying stain is to uh wipe on the uh what's the transtent diluted with denatured alcohol because it dries way too quickly so i think yeah well i don't think you can wipe it on like that i think you're supposed to spray it on i mean that's what jeff jewitt he I followed his steps to a T. That's what he recommends is wiping it on, diluting it one ounce of dye to one oh. quart of, uh, you know, either just water or denatured alcohol and water and, uh, stuff dried in seconds. It was, it was impossible. It was such a pain. So I, I next time I will try spraying it and I actually have some left that I might just, so I built that arts and crafts like book, case at uh the johnson campbell folk school and i've never finished it so just like in one of my guest bedrooms so i'm considering just using the extra stain and spraying it on that just to like practice because who cares it's you know just a bookshelf in my you know spare bedroom here so um i think i might give that a shot because i was really worried about screwing that up um because the problem with spraying on a stain or a dye like that is that it really, I think, kind of mutes the grain unless you wipe the dye off afterwards. You know, it kind of just covers everything up evenly. And so I don't think, you know, I really wanted that Ray Fleck pop because that's the mission style and that's what the existing chairs had. So um, I don't know. But anyway, I might do some messing around with that and see, see how that goes. So my tool of the week is the Incra miter gauge. And I don't know which one I have. I think it's the 2000 maybe. Um, but it's a great, you know, I've never built a crosscut sled. And I think the reason I haven't is because I have one of these miter gauges because they're just super, super useful. And, you know, I there you can do all kinds of crazy, you can dial in any angle, any little very specific decimal point angle, and uh, it's it's outstanding. So definitely recommend the Incremiter gauge. And I'll put a link to the exact one I have in the show notes, which will be on craftedpodcast.com. So cool. Well, I think that will do it for the main show. Unless you guys got something else to add, we can move into our after show we've got a good question for that uh, over on patreon also live listeners you can stick around and listen to that 
for free. So, I yeah, guess. free. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys all for your support. Uh, if you want to join up over on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash crafted podcast. And uh, yeah, until next week, happy building. See ya. Later. Later.